Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, good morning again. As we gather here this morning again, it is the season of Advent, and we begin a new series called The Wonder of Christmas. The Wonder of Christmas. You know, it's, it's Christmas season already. If you haven't noticed that the Christmas decor is already out. I don't know how many of you are getting ready for Christmas already. How many of you have your homes decorated? How many of you have not decorated your homes yet? Oh, you make me feel so much better. Our home is not decorated yet. We don't have one thing out yet. But, you know, thankfully we had a small group, but a mighty group that came here on Friday, got the church decorated. We have some more decor. The, the poinsettias will be out later this week. It's going to be beautiful. It's a wonderful time of the year. And a lot of us love this time of year. Even though we just haven't got rid of Thanksgiving yet, maybe all of your turkey is gone, the pie is gone, maybe not quite yet. You still have some leftovers. Are you tired of turkey already? Yet it is a season of Christmas. And we get out the Christmas trees and the decors, the manger scenes, the lights. We get down the Christmas presents. Maybe we've already been Black Friday Christmas shopping already, getting all the gifts and everything ready to go. Because, you know, it's Christmas. We've got to talk about the gifts and the wonderful things about Christmas. And as I think about getting into the holiday season, one of the things that I really enjoy getting into is it just helps me get excited about this time of year. It's not the Christmas music. Well, I, I love the Christmas music. And I don't know about you, I'm not one that starts playing Christmas music, you know, um, Thanksgiving Day or whatever, and plays it 24-7. Is there anyone that likes to do that? Don't raise your hand. Oh, you can raise your hand. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, somebody, I know some of you like, you just like turn it on, and it's just on all the time. But one of the things I really enjoy getting into with this season of the year is I really enjoy this season of the year and getting into the Christmas movies. Anyone like the Christmas movies? I mean, some of those old, old, old Christmas movies that were reruns when I was a kid to some of the ones that I grew up watching that I love to watch again and again. So we're going to start this morning with a little Christmas quiz on some of the Christmas movies. So let's get our first question up here. First quiz. Let's see how well you do. In It's a Wonderful Life, if you guys, how many of you know It's a Wonderful Life? That's an old classic. It's in, a, in It's a Wonderful Life, what is the name of the guardian angel who takes George Bailey on his journey? Clarence. Oh, there you go. You guys got it. It's Clarence. Yeah, Clarence is the angel that takes George on his journey. Good job. And those of you who didn't shout out, I just assume you knew it and didn't want to embarrass anybody else. <laughs> Here's our next trivia question. In Home Alone, which I can't believe it's been that many years that movie's been out. In Home Alone, what is the nickname of the pair of burglars that tries to break into the McAllister's home? The Wet Bandits. Some of you are two for two. The Wet Bandits. All right, let's see if we can go three for three. Next one. In A Christmas Story, which, oh my goodness, again, that's been out for such a long time, and now there's a new version of the Christmas story. Ralphie's all grown up. In a Christmas story, what was the secret message Ralphie deciphered from the Little Orphan Annie radio show? You got it. No, it's, it's, it's the answer is, be sure to drink your Ovaltine. And if you're, if you're not old enough to remember what Ovaltine is, you know, it's still around, but it was like chocolate stuff. I don't know. Like Nessie Quick, yeah. All right, we'll do one more. In Elf, and this is by far, I think, one of the best Christmas movies. In Elf, what songs did people sing to raise the amount of Christmas spirit? I heard some people say it. The answer is, Santa Claus is coming to town. All right, how many of you got all four? 
A few of you did. How many got at least three or four? Two or four? One or four? No or four? You know, it, whatever it is that just kind of brings you into that Christmas, you know, season, that Christmas spirit. You know, we love this time of year. And I think one of the reasons we love this time of year is because this time of year just seems to bring, in the midst of sometimes some dark gloominess, uh, the, the, the dread of life, day-to-day life, or maybe what's going on in our own life and the lives of, of others that we care for in this community, in this world, it brings a sense of hope of wanting and longing that things will be better than what they are now. That somehow things are going to be different. Not only for those of us who are, you know, in the church, those of us who are Christians who believe that there is something more to Christmas than just the Christmas gifts under the tree, but that even those who have no belief in God hope that there is something more than just the way things are. That hope could somehow speak to us in the situation we find ourselves in at this very moment. Whatever your situation is, whatever our situation is collectively. Now for us, and we mentioned this before, this is not only a season of Christmas, you know, intermingled in the season of Christmas is what we call the season of Advent. Advent, this ancient word that means arrival. The arrival of a promise. The arrival of a promise God made long, long, long ago. Many times, in many different voices, throughout what we call the Old Testament, we hear God make a promise of hope. That promise of hope goes all the way back as we heard in that opening video there, chapter 3 of Genesis, when creation, God brought all creation to life, gave humanity life, and then humanity rebelled against God. And there was a promise, Genesis 3.15, where God said, one of your descendants will come. In the midst of sin and brokenness, hope. And God speaks these words to a people who were frightened, who were terrified, who felt overwhelmed and uncertain, who were grasping at anything they could do to find hope. And he spoke these words through the prophet Isaiah. Let's read these, this verse together here, Isaiah 7, 14. All right, then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, as Isaiah speaks these words to King Ahaz, let's put this into context. King Ahaz, at this time, you know, God's people were no longer one separate nation. They were divided in what they call the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. There was Judah and there was Israel. And so these, these people who should be family and working together and living together and sharing life together had become a divided nation. Sometimes the relationships were okay, and sometimes there was a lot of friction in those relationships. Sometimes maybe like relationships that we have. And as God's people lived life, and as they struggled through life, and as they often did, they went and did things the way they always wanted to do things. They disobeyed God. They were being 
human, like us. They rebelled against God again and again. And so God's people in Judah were rebelling against God. In Israel, they were rebelling against God. And one nation formed a coalition with Syria. And there's King Ahaz. He doesn't want to be a part of this coalition. He wants, though, to have protection. And this coalition formed with Israel and and Syria because of the Assyrian army. And so Ahaz decides, you know, I'm going to form a coalition with Syria. Israel had been disobedient. They had rebelled again and again against God. And God sends the prophet Isaiah to speak to them about their rebellion, about their sinfulness, about how they're living their lives. And he gives this promise to the king, to Ahaz. Ask for a sign. Now, let's pause here for just a second. You have to commend Micah, who did a wonderful job rolling off all of those really weird, I mean, at least for our English tongue, names. He did a great job. You know, so God sends Isaiah to King Ahaz. Because God had said to Ahaz before, ask for a sign. And Ahaz is like, oh no, I won't ask for a sign. I don't want to put the Lord my God to the test. And that really goes back to a belief that they had, you know what, you don't test God, you trust God. Now, I don't know that Ahaz was genuine about that. I think Ahaz was a little bit more like, you know, when mom or dad or the teacher says, now you apologize. Sorry. Did you ever do that as a kid? Or maybe as a parent? Sorry. You know, do you, do, are you really sorry? No, not really. You know, and we do that as adults too sometimes. You say, well, I'm sorry that what I said offended you, but it's the truth. Sorry, not really. Sorry, right? So Ahaz is saying, oh God, I would not want to ask you for a proof of your promise. I would not do that, God. No, not at all. I believe you. Not really, because I'm working with the Assyrians to, you know, formulate the safety of the people. And the one, he's doing what a king does, but what God wants Ahaz to do, and what he wants the people to do, is to trust him, to depend on him, to know that his promise of his love, his care, his faithfulness is true. But Ahaz is scheming and has other plans. And of course, this is more than just some political alliance. To align themselves with the Assyrians means that, because especially the Assyrian army was the more powerful army, that they would not now um, subjugate themselves to this foreign government and these foreign gods. That they would take the God of uh, Israel, this God that brought them many years ago from slavery in Egypt to this promised land, that they would bring him and say, you're just like all the other gods. So God, in his grace, is giving Ahaz another opportunity to ask for a sign, for proof that he truly cares, that he is faithful to his promise. And Ahaz refuses, not because he's pious, not because he believes because he's fake. Yet God sends Isaiah with his son, which, by the way, there's little things. Isaiah's son, which, again, Micah did a great job rolling that name right off his tongue. Isaiah goes to say, all right, God is going to ask you again for a sign. 
you refuse. Okay, you know what? God's going to give you a sign then. And his son's name is part of this because God you know, probably said, Isaiah, this is how you're going to name your son. Because names sometimes have some very powerful meaning that God gives to someone. Isaiah's name means remnant. Remnant. There will be some that will survive. Because what's going to happen eventually is that nation that King Ahaz has been trying to protect is going to fall apart. They're going to be carried away into captivity. They're going to be destroyed. But God promises not everyone will be destroyed. You know, I will be faithful to these people. Ask for a sign. If you're not going to ask for a sign, I'm going to give you a sign. And that sign is what? That a virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, some of you may know. You know the name Emmanuel, what that means? It means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. God who takes, and it says, wraps around himself human flesh, and we have the greatest gift that God can offer us in Jesus. The gift of hope. The gift of life. The gift of hope that speaks to our lives. Because while we may villainize someone like Ahaz, because, well, he was so evil, he was a wicked king, the people of Israel were rebelling against God. As we look into our own lives, we see our own rebellion and disobedience. We see the times, many times that we don't trust God, but we lean on our own strength or the strength of others. But also like the people of Israel who felt the surrounding armies just closing in and there was a sense of doom and gloom and uncertainty. In our own lives, we have those moments when we feel that doom and that gloom and that sense of uncertainty as life closes in on us, relationally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Unlike the people so many times in Scripture who felt a sense of hopelessness, God speaks to you and to me. He speaks into your situation today. With hope. But we talk about hope. Let's talk about what hope is and what hope is not. As Isaiah spoke these words for people so long ago, and so he speaks these words into our lives today as we're in the season of Advent, moving to the celebration of the birth, who is Emmanuel, Jesus. Hope is not a philosophy nor a dream. Hope is a person. Hope is Jesus. Think about that just for a moment. Hope is not a philosophy. It's not just this idea that we hold on to as Christians, as followers of Jesus. It's not a dream. It's not like some pipe dream that's, hey, someday, you know, maybe hopefully things will get better. Hope is a person. And that person is the one wrapped in human flesh. That hope is God's gift to us in Jesus. That hope is a baby born in Bethlehem. That hope is the baby who grew to be this man who lived a life that we can never live and then gave his life for us at the cross. The hope that Isaiah spoke to to Ahaz and to God's people so long ago that he speaks into our lives today 
is the hope we find in a Savior who lived for us, died for us, and rose again for us. So whatever is going on in your life right now, in my life right now, the world around us, as scary and as uncertain, as frustrating and as overwhelming, as much as we sometimes feel weighed down and beaten down, and sometimes we feel lifted up and excited, for every moment in our life, there is hope. Not a philosophy, nor a dream, but a person. Hope is, say it with me, Jesus. Hope is Jesus. As Isaiah came and spoke so long ago, he speaks to us today. Hope is Jesus. Now, this hope that we have is more than something we just hold on to when life is really bad or something we hold on to that someday, hey, I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven. That's what hope is something we hold on to every moment of our lives, even when life is going pretty good. But that hope is also something that we live in and we share. As God fills us with that hope, it is also something that we bring into a world that sometimes is so darkened and so uncertain and so restless and grasping for anything that they think can bring them a sense of hope, of certainty. That we, as we live our lives in our community, in our world, can share the hope. And that hope is Jesus. As we talk about growing in Jesus and sharing his love, you know, part of growing in Jesus is growing in our faith and our understanding of what it means that Jesus is our hope. Again, not a hope, again, for someday down the road, but a hope for right now. Our hope and our help for right now. And sharing his love, one of the ways we share his love is to share the hope that is Jesus. The hope that we have and the hope that God gives not just to a certain group of people, but to all people, to the world in Jesus. So a challenge for us as we go into this holiday season is this. How can you share God's message of hope that he offers in Jesus this week? What opportunity may God put before you where you can share through maybe your words, through your actions, through prayers, maybe a hug, Jesus, who is our hope? Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of the amazing gift that you give to us, this gift of hope, this gift of Jesus. We pray that this hope shapes our lives, our current situation that we're in right now, Lord. But we also pray that this hope fills us so that we are overflowing with this hope, that we can share this hope with one another, and can we share this hope with all that we encounter this holiday season. We pray this, Jesus. In your name, amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.